0: Welcome to Relationships and Revenue Podcast. This is your host, John Hewlin. So glad you're here today. This is part two of my conversation with Mike Manazer, call sign nasty. Mike is a two star admiral, U.S. Navy retired. He is also author of the amazing book, Learn How to Lead to Win. So sit back, relax, and enjoy part two of our fantastic conversation. <laughs> Life is all about relationships, and great leaders heavily invest in those relationships. On the Relationships and Revenue podcast, we talk about how to improve our most significant relationships at home so we can be better in our business relationships. We talk with experts from all over the world representing many disciplines about the best tips and strategies to become amazing people and amazing leaders. Welcome to the show. And here's, I don't know if you'll ever hear anybody else say this. Several months ago, I had a conversation uh, with my ex-wife. We were talking about something else. And at the end of the conversation, I said, I just want to let you know, I, want, I, I thanked her for divorcing me. Hmm honest to goodness, I did. And I told her why. I said, it forced me to take a hard look at myself and what I was doing wrong, not just in my relationship with her, but in all my relationships. The problem in all my relationships was me. And there were things I had to work on to get better. And as I did, Mike, oh my gosh, it just, my life transformed now, it wasn't an immediate thing. I mean, it took time to get there, but I was committed to working through the pain, not going around it, not pretending it wasn't there, but working through it because I knew something better was on the other side. I knew it. Part of the North Star you were talking about, that was part of it in that instance. And as I got, once I got there, I, I guess the best compliment I've received since then has been from other people who knew me back then, hadn't seen me for a while, saw me later. It was like, there's something different about you. You've changed. And all I could say was thank you. Because that meant the world to me. Because that change is what I wanted. John, how did you know something better was on the other side? Because I had seen other examples of people who had done that.
1: That's very insightful because I, I think your listeners, your audience must understand there are kind of two ways to think about failure and mm. pain. One is what you just said. I know some examples, and I if I work through this, I'm gonna to get to the other side of this thing because Sam, Joe, and Harry all went through the same thing. I know it's better on the other side. The second way is what I started to realize is that because of my past failures and something better happened on the other side of it.
2: Um, mm. In the
1: book, I failed to carrier qualify um, in the TA4J, which, which, uh, you know, in, in my book, and I'll say it again, cause we're like an hour in here learn how to lead to wind. Um, I'm trying to qualify on a carrier. If I don't qualify in the A4 Skyhawk, I can't keep going towards my goal of being a Tomcat pilot. Mm. So I failed and mm. I was sent home and I didn't know that they let you go again. And I was deathly afraid that it was done and they wouldn't let me go again. Well, mm. it turns out they did. They put me into the air combat. All of us, and I met this man named John Roach, call sign bug, bug Roach. I had no idea who he was, no idea at all who he was. And, um, turns out later on he's a legend a legendary landing signal officer which i also became as well as a fighter pilot and Mm. a legendary fighter pilot from mirmo i didn't know who this was and i know this guy and i started to model myself after him later on Mm. had i and i went through the pain and it was searing pain not qualifying because i was very cocky young young (laughs) student pilot getting ready to be a fighter pilot and and I did, I did call the second, but had I not, call, had I not disqual the first time, I would not have met Bug Roach. Mm. And so, what started to stack up for me is that second example of working through the failure is realizing something better is going to happen on the other side. There's a faith part of it.
0: Yes, absolutely. You saw
1: example, experience failing. Either way it gets you through that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, Wow. It just, there's a lot of emotions that are coming up right now. So, <laughs> As you might imagine. Um, yeah. You know, yeah. several things that you've mentioned have, have come to mind, and I'm trying to bring them back up. Let's, t- let's jump back to the North Star for just a minute. And this is a really important point, and I, I don't want folks to miss this. This is a key question, so I'm, I'm excited to hear your answer about this. Talk to the person out there right now, Mike, who isn't like you and I and doesn't have a North Star and has no clue how to get one. Help somebody figure out, how how do I get that? How do I have that North Star so that I know no matter what I'm going through, it's going to help guide me even when I veer from left to right because that's going to happen. So.
1: My kids are, uh, 39 and 35 now, uh, an older daughter and a younger son. Uh, when I used to talk to them about going to college, for instance, or going to do something, you know, I'd say, what do you want to do? Well, you know, we don't know that. I mean, you knew what you were going to do when you were in eighth grade. So they would, they would assign this sort of a, well, you know what you're going to do. That's easy for you. Right. I, I had, I did, I had something that just flashed in my mind. I don't class of 58, I heard Naval Academy stories, my whole, didn't give it, well, up to eighth grade, didn't give it a thought until I mm-hmm. saw the midshipmen march on and something about that bang. I mean, it just, were saying that's what you're going to go do. But, um, it was, it was something that, you know, drove me. So I had a vision. For people who don't have a vision, I would say one, look for it. It's gonna mm. present itself to you. Something is gonna flash to you and you're gonna go, that's it. Yeah. While you're doing that, you know, you can set short term goals. If, if you want to better your lot in life and you have an idea of something you want to go do, then set a goal that day to go, whatever that is. Mm. You know, I want to change my my environment. All right. Throw the stuff in the truck, throw the stuff in your bag, get on a bus, drive to somewhere that you think, you know what? There's probably opportunity in Kansas City. So I'll go to Kansas (laughs) City because I heard, you know, somebody's there. I mean, there are so many stories of very, very, very rich people who had nothing but the clothes on their back and five bucks in their pocket. And they show up someplace and they go, I'm here to do this. Mm -hmm. They just drive, right? Yeah. Only mistake you can make looking for a North Star is not looking.
2: Mm.
1: And the only mistake you can make is not moving forward, is actually staying put. Yes. You must change your surroundings. Mm. So then the third thing you can do while you're changing your surroundings is you're a dreamer. And so you write down on a piece of paper what do you dream? What do you what would you want to do if you had all the resources in the world?
2: Mm
1: -hmm. Um there is a very famous book, and I know you know this called Think and Grow Rich by Nathan Hill. Napoleon Hill, I'm sorry, Napoleon Hill. Yep. And he has a specific recipe gained by talking to a whole bunch of famous people back in the 19th century, um, how they got to where they are. And it's holding about have a plan, visualize the plan. I'm going to make a million dollars by January 1st of 2025. Mm-hmm. That's your goal. Now, how am I going to do that? Really not yet, but I'm going to write it down. I'm going to go do that and make myself do that. And so I think for the audience, If you don't have that vision, put yourself in the world so that you can see the vision when it shows up. Trust the hand of providence is going to show you something. And I think that the people who fail are the ones who stay static. They don't dream. Mm -hmm. They don't think about what could be possible. Because I think for any human being, if you strive hard enough, you will get something to go towards. Mm -hmm. And until you get that North Star every day, wake up and go, I'm going to do this today. For mm-hmm. somebody, for myself, for my family, for that person I just saw down the street, for that organization that I noticed the sign opened up. Um, and it's going to just present itself to you. Um, I'll tell you another one really quick that's very interesting. And again, the hand of Providence. There was, if your audience Googles uh, CBS Mornings and donkeys, <laughs> there's a wonderful story earlier this year. No, sorry. Late, late 22, middle of 22. Um, I can't remember the correspondent's name. Anyway, this man who was in the fashion industry, uh, you know, and going hard, very famous hairdo like yours, by the way, <laughs> pretty close. Yeah. Uh, he got laid off and that hmm. was his whole life was that industry. And he was lost. He also wasn't hmm. accepted for who he was. He had a very hmm. hard uh, child, childhood uh, kind of growing up. So he, he created a facade around himself and now he had nothing to identify with. And so his buddy puts him on a farm that he's trying to sell. And mm. he's living on the farm doing nothing but walking around and kind of wondering what to do with his life. And he sees a special or a TV show or an ad or something about donkeys that mm. are, you know, being used for you know glue and skins and because donkeys don't have much use. And he has this flash. I'm gonna know what donkeys. He puts donkeys on the farm, and he's got this wonderful donkey foster farm. It is a spectacular uh, CBS Good Morning um, episode. If Mm -hmm. you if you if you Google uh, David Begno, David Begno, B E G N A U D, David Begno is the correspondent, and he does an awesome job. Mm. The themes in that episode are epic, but it shows you how. Somebody searching for something in their life put one and one together and got a lot more than two. And mm-hmm. so I think if you look and you move and you wonder and you dream and you think and you hope and you're open to ideas,
0: something's mm-hmm. going to show up. Sure. You know, I'm going I'm to take it a step further. Um, you've, you've hinted at it several times today. I'm, I'm going to put a name to it. You call it the hand of providence. I'm going to say God. I'm just going to say it. I happen to be a person of faith. I'm a Jesus follower. I don't apologize for that. It's not a part of my life. It infiltrates everything in my life. Yep. So, um, yeah, I see see the hand of God all over the place. And it's, you know, hindsight being what it is, 2020, even through the crap that I went through, a lot of it's self-inflicted. I admit that a lot of it self-inflicted, I can still see God's hand every step of the way, every step of the way. Because even though the North Star was way over here and there were times I was way over there, sometimes, sometimes those failings are to get us back. Yeah. So it's for our benefit. It doesn't feel like it in the moment, but it's for our benefit. Like what happened to you with bug. That's right. I mean, you never would have met him if you hadn't failed the first time. That's right. And it changed the trajectory of your life and your career.
1: And you know what? I also believe in exactly what you talked about. I believe in. I do assess people. What are you in a higher power? There's a higher authority. I can tell you this is in a book too. There are no atheists in carrier aviation because when you're landing at night and it sucks, you're praying to God to get you aboard. I'm telling you right now, every single <laughs> aviator believes in God. And so wh- whoever you worship, there is a higher power. And you know, you were supposed to fail and you mm-hmm. were supposed to turn and mm-hmm. you were supposed to make the decision that you made, even though you go, no, I'm the one that made a decision. Yeah, you were supposed to make that decision. <laughs> and that event that happened to you was supposed to happen. And mm. sometimes it's going to be one of those things like your, you know, your your pain. That divorce caused that. You're like, oh God, you know, you know, the person who was enlightened, the fact that God's hand is in everybody's life. By enlightened, I don't mean some you know guru thing. I'm just talking about all of a sudden it opens up and go, oh, that was supposed to happen. Or yeah. you go, that's why that happened. You might not mm-hmm. even know until a long time later. I'll mm-hmm. tell you a great story. Um, I tell a story in my book about landing an A-6 intruder with the bombardier navigator halfway stuck out the top. Never happened oh, wow. before in aviation. He's partially ejected, and I'm the landing signal officer who recovers the airplane. If you Google A-6 partial ejection, the, it, the stories in there are from a guy named Keith Gallagher, who was the guy stuck out the top, so he did live. Uh, yeah, and okay. there's, a, there's an audio recording of me recovering the airplane, but mm. I was not supposed to be on that deployment. I was not oh, wow. supposed to go out again as a landing signal officer. I was supposed to stay home. Mm. And so I went on this extra deployment because the airwind commander said, I need somebody with your talents to commander to do that. And I ended up recovering the airplane safely and, and my part in it anyway. Guys halfway stuck out the top, had a girlfriend. When they got back from the de- he lived, when he got back from deployment, they got married. They have two little girls. Had he died, his family wouldn't have existed. Yeah. And so I actually think that the reason that I ended up on that deployment was to save his life. Mm. I love that. It just occurred to me. I said, that's mm-hmm. weird. How did that happen? And later on, that's why that happened. So we get together on the anniversary of his, his landing, oh. his wife and daughters. And son, they travel out here to the East coast and we cool. toast toast that day. And nice. It's amazing. He does the same I thing like with that. Mark Baden who successfully him aboard. Um, mm. and, and so it's, it's just amazing. Sometimes when you turn around and you go, there's, there's a reason this happened. I'm going to learn what that is. The mm-hmm. hand of God is in this and your life yes. is guided. By God, and if you don't believe in God, at least believe there's a higher authority that's guiding your life, because every single human being's life is guided by a
0: higher authority. Yeah, to be to be quite candid with you, Mike, anybody who believes that every step they've ever made has been of their own volition, yeah, that is the epitome of arrogance. Yeah, to me, it is. Yeah, and it's also the
1: epitome. I, I would. I would say this gently with a low eye ignorance. No, I, I agree with that. Yeah. I mean, and I'm not, I, I don't, you know, I don't practice, I don't practice a faith. I'm a Methodist. Um, my wife is a Catholic. We don't practice because I don't, I don't connect, um, organized religion with a belief in God. Okay. I I don't, I just, I just don't myself. Um, Mm -hmm. and it's, it's, I accept all of it and I, I believe that my life is guided by God. I do. And, and I practice, you know, I talk to God every day, every second, everything I see is obviously because of him. And, mm-hmm. uh, but I don't, I don't put a something in between, you know, me and, and that. Now I know that that would make a lot of people angry, but, um, this is the way I believe, but I do believe my life is guided like that. I mm-hmm. do
0: hundred percent. Sure. It's wonderful. One of the things that I like to ask of folks on the show, Mike, especially those who have a major transition in life. So for you, the major transition was going from the military to civilian life. I've had other former professional athletes on the show. I've had former Olympians on, and I'm amazed at the stories they tell me. Some it's their own story, but some it's stories of other folks that they know about the difficulty in making that transition. So I'm curious, what was your transition like from military life to civilian life? Yeah, I'm really happy you asked that question. I'll answer in two
1: ways. The first one is an easy answer: leading people in the military is the same as leading people in the civilian world. Mm-hmm. If you lead as a person, like in the military, they go, "Well, you're in the military; you just order people to do it." Go, no, it doesn't work that way. I mean, they will. <laughs> Yeah. But they won't give you their best effort. And if they believe right. in you as a leader, if you are that kind of a boss, whether in uniform or in a, in a civilian coat and tie or a t-shirt and jeans, they, they will work for you. So that's the easy answer. The second one is um, a lot of people I know. And it wasn't one of them, and I'll tell you why in a second. Um, their identity is in the uniform. Their mm-hmm. identity is the medal they got. Yeah. Um, their identity is tied to what they did yeah. before the transition. Right. And you must consider yourself a person who is assuming that identity for a shorter period of time, understanding that something is going to happen after that. Um Kelly and I have been married for 41 years.
0: That's great. I love that.
1: Probably because I was deployed half the time. She says because I was gone. That's the only reason. <laughs> she, every once in a while she goes, You need to deploy now, don't you? <laughs> really there was a realization. Yeah, there was a realization I had. It, you know, when I get out of the Navy and quit going to sea, that's who I'm living with, right? And I better
0: work on that. Absolutely. You can't just go. okay, I'm out of
1: the Navy now, and I know people when they left the Navy, their common and the kids grew up and went to college. Their their commonality went away, and they divorced. Oh, yeah. I know yeah. a very close friend of mine at 25 years, and it was terrifying to me. That somebody to be married for so long, twenty-five years, thirty years, and then they all of a sudden they split. I'm like, "Oh, is that going to happen to us?" Right. Let's work on that. So your identity when you get it's got to be so my husband identity. You know, I thought about a lot. No. Um, the father identity, I was gone less when I got out of the navy, of course, and then later on when I was on a lot of shore duty at the Pentagon, so I could be a closer father. But you know that, but you know, identify as a father. The other right. interesting thing is. If you'd asked me before I really started thinking about this, Hey Mike, what, you know, what do you do? Oh, I'm a fighter pilot. Yeah. Well, I'm a, well, wait a second. I'm sorry. I'm a Naval officer. Uh yeah. And, and it never occurred to me to say I'm a husband and a father first. Mm. And so on purpose, I would shift that and go, well, I'm married for 41 years. I got two wonderful kids, I'm a husband, and a father, and I spent time in the Navy. And so I tend to flip that. Yeah. And it's an exercise for me to help with the, with the, uh, uh, with the identity. So when you hang that uniform up, whatever that uniform is, you got to be able to walk away from that hung up uniform and go do you know what you're going to go do as as a person right. So for me, the transition was um, it was time for me to leave the Navy. Um, there is a thing out in Westpac. Uh, there's a there's a long, long, long uh, fraud investigation called uh, the Glenn Defense Marine Fraud investigation, and and it's it's called commonly in the in the headlines called Fat Leonard and um leonard francis was a, a husbanding agent contractor who serviced with his company's navy ships out in the western pacific mm. and uh he defrauded the united states government out of millions and millions and millions uh-huh. of dollars through a whole bunch of stuff he he was bribing people with with uh, concert tickets and hotel rooms and things like that to get them to tell him information um i took two ships uh, I was in three leadership roles: two captains and one executive officer out there. And I have all kinds of dealings with the husbanding agent Leonard Francis and his organization. And the the I didn't do anything wrong, but the voluminous you know stuff that went with the investigation caused um, the the U.S. Navy and the Department of Defense to go. There's you know a lot of smoke here. Mm-hmm. And so it was on again, off again, you know, my path towards a three and a four star was the Navy wanted me to go that way. And then, uh, and, and then this whole thing, you know, organizations are risk averse. And so like, uh, you know, even though there's nothing here, you know, the way federal investigations go, they just weren't willing. So for three solid years, I was in, yes, oh, you're going to st- you're going to be a three star. you're going to stop. And so three different nomination packages up to the White House. and um, and then the last one came back with the presidential transition and got stopped in the Department of Defense. And so mm. I had been conditioned to getting 80 And so I started thinking about what my transition was going to look like, yeah, And, and I was comfortable. And mm. it was because I kept staring at the, no, you know, you're not going to go on any farther. You're not going to go any farther. Totally. I could look in a mirror, I've done nothing wrong. Integrity is intact. Mm-hmm. I'm good. And so when it came time for me to get out, I was ready to leave the uniform on the wall. No, velocity, no, I didn't, no regret, no anger, no nothing. Just, Hey, you know, the organization did what they did. And I tried my best and they, the leaders of the Navy tried their best and the Senate was all ready and just didn't happen. Yeah. So okay, I'm good. I mm-hmm. had a great career. I look back on, you know, I'm a two star. I've been in the Navy 36 thirty six years. I hell this wonderful thing. I got to do all those things you just talked about. Yeah. Why would I be better? You know, <laughs> and so it was easy for me to transition out because I had that I had that experience of whack, 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 whack for the last three years I was in the and it kind of gave me to the point of my pain, right? Yeah. So a little frustration I came out the other side and we live in our forever, I work for a great company. Life is wonderful, and had that not happened, life would be different for me. And yeah, sure, I'd be a, a more senior admiral in the Navy, but I wouldn't. We wouldn't be here. Um, mm. God has God has plans, and so my, you know, to segue from what we just talked about to this question. I was able to leave my uniform up on the hangar and, and walk away just fine. And then I was able mm. to lead people. I am, am am able to lead people
0: in the civilian company. I'm going to give a statement and I just want you to react to it. Everything rises and falls on leadership. Agree, disagree.
1: Yeah. I think as a general, uh, A general statement. When I when you say leadership, I think about a person leading Mm -hmm. and the quality of the leadership a person is exhibiting to people around them. And then then okay, that's yes, I I agree with that. I think poor leaders would take an organization down, and good leaders would take an organization up. And the most successful organizations, there's leadership up and down the ranks and left and right and all the way through. People are leading and they're leading small teams and
0: they they connect with each other as people. For sure. You know, that's one of the things I talk about a lot on the show is leadership and how important it is. Uh, It's something that I invest in for myself. I do a lot of reading on it. Um, I get coached on it. Uh, I do coaching on it. Uh, So it's it's a big part of my life. And one of the things I've discovered over the years, Mike, is that... You'll probably laugh when I say this, but because we didn't state it like this earlier, but we really said it. The best leaders that I, the best leaders I've ever met have never had a title ever of any kind. Yeah. But they're the, and the, the upper echelon leaders are the ones who know how to lead up as well as lead across and lead down. Because yep. that leading up, man, that's not something a lot of people can do. No,
1: are no, exactly right. Um, I think the leaders of the best organizations also do not lead with their title. They are approachable. They're humble. Um, they understand how to connect as people. And I do advocate in my book, don't lead with your title. You know, lead with your... And I would agree... The best leaders don't leave with a title, also, some of the best leaders show up and they don't have a title. I think you're exactly and I think that the reason that I would completely agree emotionally with your statement is we all of a sudden recognize, hey, this person's really awesome, and they don't even have a they're just doing it. How do they do that? yeah, and you start to pay attention to them quite a bit mm-hmm. um and and if you know, if you are a leader and you're really insightful looking down at your organization, you're going to see those people down in the organization that are leading without the title. And that if you you celebrate them and bring them up, they're going to make your organization better. So I, th- I think those two lenses, the way you're looking
0: at it, are exactly right. Mm-hmm. Tell us some of the leadership lessons you learned in the Navy. Uh, two big
1: ones really stand out. Uh, the first one is uh, you learn people's names. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, I I developed this story to myself, it never actually happened that when I was the commanding officer of my fighter squadron at 350 people in it. There's one commanding officer, that's me, one executive officer. You know, they know who I am. But if I don't work to know all the names of the 350 people that work for me, there's going to be a time when, you know, I run into one of the sailors and and maybe his wife at the post exchange or something. And he's coming to me, very excited to introduce his family to me. And I don't even know who he is. Yeah. And I might try the politician move. Hey, man, nice to see you. Is this a little, you know, kiss the baby, you know, shake, shake his wife's hand, you know, say hi and all that kind of stuff. Pretty evident to his wife that, that I don't know who he is. Yeah. And in, uh, in the crucible of, of deployed operations in the Navy and, and all the other militaries that deploy, there are families making decisions at the kitchen table about, you know, staying in the Navy. Mm-hmm. And maybe they've just had a conversation and the myth that I made up in my head so I could, you know, drive myself to learn everybody's names would, they would walk away and and she would say to him, he doesn't even know who you are. Mm-hmm. Well, honey, it's like one skip. No, he doesn't know who you are. You missed the birthday, the parent teacher meeting, the anniversary. He makes you work all weekend to get ready to go on deployment. And he has no idea who you are. And so I drove myself to learn everybody's names. Wow. That's the first leadership lesson. And mm-hmm. you and I talked about this, I think, when we before we started recording, but the power of being called by your name, especially when it's right and accurate <laughs> yeah. and from a distance when you don't have a name tag on yeah. and it shows familiarity with somebody who's supposed to be your boss and is not supposed to know your name. Mm-hmm. There's a story in my book about this when the, the kid that I'm yelling his name out thinks he's in trouble. <laughs>
2: <laughs> he was asking
1: how his wife is. If you know my name, You're in, that means I'm in trouble. I said, no, 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 no. You work for me. I'm supposed to know your name. Got to be a myth. Um, so that's, that's the first one. And that's what I would say to everybody. Strive to learn everybody's names. The mm-hmm. janitor, the person who makes your coffee, the security person, mm-hmm. definitely everybody that works for you. And if you find yourself walking by somebody's puka on the way to your office or on the way to your puka, And you know they work with you or for you, and you don't say anything to them or thank them. I mean, you know, not leading them. So you get to know people and you call them by their name. That's first lesson. Mm -hmm. Second lesson, delegation, delegation. Mm -hmm. So when I grew up in in the F-14 community and learned how to be a a certain CO, I got to be a squadron CO in 1997 and 1998. And I knew how to do every single... Senior job in the squadron. I could do it myself. Um, I was, you know, good enough, and I could spin plates and, and and you know, do all that to do all the jobs. When I got to be after nuclear power school, I showed up to be the second in command of USS Carl Vinson in July of '01. So think 9/11, right? So four months, four months prior. Wow. And I realized three thousand people on my crew, total of five thousand people on the ship, eighteen departments. I I can't, I can't own all this. I have yeah. no idea. I mean, I don't know how to be a doctor. I had a doctor, a dentist, a, you know, maintenance officer. I, mean, I don't know how to do that stuff. And so I had to delegate me and the 18 department heads ran the ship mm. for the captain. Yeah. And it turned out great. And so I gave the tasks to the department heads to run inside boundaries of guidance. Mm. So that's how we led. Yeah. I didn't, you know, so, so, if if you said to me, what would you tell your younger military self? I'd say, learn to delegate as soon as you can, mm. even when you don't have to yeah. give, give your tasks to somebody who, you know, can do it. Two things are going to happen. One, they feel empowered and two, they're going to get yes. better.
2: Mm-hmm. They're going to,
1: they're going to, they're going to, you're going to build your deep bench by giving people something to do. When you've arrived, the crown jewel to somebody else and say, yeah. I trust you. Mm-hmm. Speed of Trust by Stephen M. R. Covey, uh, put out in about 2007-ish or so, 2006, 2007, 2005, somewhere in a Speed of Trust, talks about how to do that. Mm. And that's the way I like to lead, is that trust in in your your horses is going to help you to lead the organization better. They will get empowered. You'll get a better uh, uh, result out of it. And you can practice visionary leadership, telling them where you want to go, where that North Star is, what the guidance is, why you want to go there simon sinek's why and you just don't tell them what let them tell you what yes the second one and that that's gained through delegation and trust those are the big
0: lessons for me Mm. man those are powerful folks i hope you're paying attention uh to these (laughs) gems that mike has given us because oh my gosh um this is so powerful uh what you don't know that I'm going to do, Mike, when this is done is I'm going to go back and I'm going to rewatch, but specifically re-listen to this. And I'm going to be taking notes because that's how important this stuff is that you're talking about. It's, so, it's, it's rich. I mean, it's like, it's like, it's a full sponge. If I squeeze it, it's just going to ooze all over my hand. There's so much here right now. <laughs> and so for those of you who are out on a run or something, don't stop running. Don't trip and fall while you're running. Just come back to it later. It it'll be there for you. I promise. It will be there. Yeah. It's so much fun too, John. This is so much fun. Yeah, oh, I'm glad you're digging it, man, because I am. I just oh my, these are some of my most favorite conversations. Yeah, I mean, I know you've done several of these before, and and I've done a lot of these interviews. Uh, and I'll tell you, there are some that it's it's work to get through. It just is. And this isn't, oh, oh my gosh, Christ. this is just, oh yeah, this is, man, this is like, you, you, are, you are feeding my soul right now, this, this stuff you're giving. It's just, man, I am, I am vibing totally with the stuff that you're saying. We, you and I, we are a kindred spirits here, for sure. No That's doubt about right. that. Back at you. You know, you know one of the things when I was doing my research that you have on your website you have stated now it's not, you know, in big bold area on there, but it is on there. You list your vision and your mission. So am I gonna put you on the spot to tell me what those are?
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah, I can.
0: But I've got them right here. So don't sweat. Oh, All right, Jeez. so the So the Vision talks about inspire leaders to lead from the heart and lead to win appropriately. Yep. And the mission is to engage a million leaders who share oh i can't even read my own stupid writing uh, basically who share our vision and it's Not interesting yep. that th- th- there's one word in there in that mission that 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 I found interesting it's the word our you you're very um i know it's kind of pc to say it this way but you're inclusive in your identification of said vision it's to it's it isn't just my vision, and I want you to grab a hold of it. No, this is our vision as leaders. So, how did you come up with those? I mean, we've heard, so, especially more on the vision side, we've heard you definitely talk about that stuff earlier. But the mission, how did you come up with that mission? Where'd that come from? Well, so so the vision, the
1: shorthand that I do, and you know, you can always come up with so a group of us say, "What's our vision?" and we put it in there. So it's you know, it's bumper stickerish. Yeah, yeah. So what the way I the way I talk about it, if you yes my real vision, lead, lead, lead from your heart. You will lead to win. Don't lead with the title. Lead from your heart. You will lead yeah. to win. That's that's the shorthand. Yeah, the mission is this is an us thing. I want more people to lead like me. You yeah. get your best results when you include everybody on the team. Everybody, mm-hmm. and and I I live that. Um we talk about diversity, inclusion, equity, belonging, you know, all those kind of things. When, when the mm-hmm. talent out there is, is, you know, it comes into your company when you pull everybody in, there's one thing to have a diverse, a diverse slate or diverse uh, pictures on the wall or diverse people around a conversation. But if you don't mm-hmm. include everybody, you're not going to get the best of your team and yeah. people's their, their, their perspective, their background, their work ethic, their, what got him out of bed this morning. I mean, you want yeah. all of that and you, you can't use the word out. And when I was talking to Ben Carroll, my business partner I said, what are, you know, what are we set to do? I want to sell a, a million books. I want to sell a million books. Why? Cause that'll reach a million people. And we obviously, if we're doing podcasts and newsletters, which we are and, and getting you know, more contacts out there than we might reach more than a million people. Mm. And a million just seems like a nice round number, you know? So, okay. Yes. Yeah. Cause it's, it's North star ish. Yeah, it is. But again, and I'll say it, I think I've said it three times, maybe as the fourth, I made it this third time selfish reason of the book is I want more people to lead from the heart, not with a title, not mean spirited, not, 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 s- s- self-focused or, or, or look at me look how cool i am i want to get i want to get myself ahead mm-hmm. you will get ahead when you lift up your whole team because you're still the boss right. whether you do it yourself or whether you're all about yourself whether it's all about your ego and i'll tell you what the people with the, the largest egos aren't going to be the best bosses they aren't going to get ahead or how much they think they can mm-hmm. and if they're sitting there going i'm i'm here and we are here because of everything i did okay they're completely blind and are completely ignorant of everything that got them to, you know got them to get there i, I didn't uh, i didn't do 36 years in the navy all by myself right so many teams uh, you know that succeeded and i just got out of the way and um, yeah i mean that's that's the vision and the mission hope you can hope you can hear that can you hear the jet noise a little bit that's the blue angels practicing for naval academy graduation
0: this week nice that's yeah, very, very cool, cool. <laughs> that is cool yeah. man yeah oh wow anyway so so yeah you know that, that vision and mission
1: i guess i would tell you, i'm embarrassed i can't recite the two things but nah, don't I'm be like the vision and mission
0: no you've got, you got that you got mission, the vision down man you got yeah. that down I, for for the audience
1: if you have a vision and a mission on your wall i used to do this in a squadron because because you know even in military people do these vision and mission exercises Go, go stare at that thing and see if it makes any sense to you. Mm-hmm. See if you can see if you can say it in a couple of words. You know, so so our vision, lead from the heart, lead to win, and then the mission reach a million people with what? With yeah. our books. Okay, great. You got it. Okay. So people will argue about the words required to go on a vision mission. You know? So and everybody oh my God. But see if it makes any sense to you. And if it doesn't take it, redo it. Get yeah. your t- each and what should our mission and vision be? Uh, oh. I think Kind of a great story about that, John. I showed up as the CEO of Nimitz and I went down to the, I'd been, I'd been this is 2007, been in the Navy now uh, 26 years. Okay. Leading commander squadron was the second in command of an aircraft carrier commanded a ship. And now I show up and I, I go, and I say, Hey, Captain, we need a new, we need a new vision. look, um, oh, okay. let me come up with something. So I did. And I, I said, "This is kind of what we had some exercises we were doing in my run up to being a commanding officer and stuff, and I give my best work, right?" I go down to the command, master he goes, "Captain, you don't want to, do, you don't want to do this." What do you mean? I want to? Do this? this is great. Mm-hmm. And he goes, "We're going to get the crew to do it." Yes. And he got a bunch of focus groups together, and through a competition, in, they came up with this the vision that the Nimitz has a five star um, insignia because. Mm. Admiral Nimitz in World War II wore five-star ranch and it's okay. circular, five circular stars. The crew themselves, in a team effort, came up with this wonderful mission that was around the, the five stars mm. and the, this five things. And, and again, embarrassing, i forgotten what it was, but anyway, that's what they did. And the master chief who was the, the top enlisted leader of the boat, reminded me that, you know, our mission and vision is going to come from the embodiment of the crew themselves, the people who work for your company. Yep. And so if your mission and vision are resonating with your employees. Ask them, mm-hmm. get that honest feedback. Is this meaning yeah. anything to anybody? Oh, yes, sir. Oh, it's great. It's great. It's really good. No serious. You yeah. Know? And you might even have to go, you know, what? I think it sucks. I don't understand a word in it. I have no idea. Well, and it doesn't tie to my goals. And I'm right. trying to get us out of the quarterly look at our financials. And I'm trying to get a long turn. And this vision and mission doesn't do anything. Does it do anything for you?
0: Oh, no, sir. It's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> I
1: mean, yeah, you, you get them to come out of their shell and go, okay, so let's get some people together and, and really craft this mission and vision. I won't put a tangent on you, but. That's
0: all right. It's a, It was helpful. Thanks for tuning in to part two of my conversation with Mike Menazer. Now, if you are ready for part three, Hold on, because I made sure that it was available for you today. Now, don't forget, life is all about relationships. You guys have a great day. Bye. Thanks for listening to Relationships and Revenue. I'd love to get your thoughts on the show. Two ways you can do that are to give us a rate and review, and/or connect with me on social media. You can find me at John Hewlin. Thanks again for listening, and remember, passion gets you started purpose keeps you going. Have a great day and we'll see you next time. Bye.